This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The first reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. That can be found on page 955. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Good morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that your word is living and active, and we pray this morning that by it you would pierce our hearts, uh, convict us of, of sin, <clears throat> that you would comfort us by the grace of your gospel and bring about joy this Christmas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, keep your Bibles open. Well, sorry, I should say, flick your Bibles back to uh, Philippians chapter 4, because that's the text that we'll be looking at this morning. That's on page 955. <clears throat> well, when I was a kid, I watched the charming but sickly sweet Pollyanna play the glad game. The game where she would always try to find something about everything to be glad about. And of course, Pollyanna manages to teach her glad lesson to all the people around her, including a fire and brimstone preacher. It's a charming story about a nice girl with a happy ending. Now, on the one hand, there's something about that that I want, right? You know, we, we want to be happy. We want to be glad, I suppose. But on the other hand, there's something a bit annoying and insufferable about Pollyanna. She always just seems a bit sentimental and naive. And when I read Paul in this passage in Philippians say, Rejoice in the Lord always, I can't but help feel a little bit the same. I mean, come on, Paul. Isn't there something hopelessly sentimental and naive about the idea that we can be joyful all the time? This is especially evident, I think, for us in the season of Advent. Because during Advent, we, we look back to Jesus' first coming at Christmas and we look forward to Jesus' second coming in the future. And as we kind of look at those two comings, we realize that we're in the middle of things. We're, we're standing in the middle. And life in the middle is a mix, a real mix of the joyous and the tragic. Jesus has come and he's brought every spiritual blessing. And yet there's still so much more to come. Even as Paul wrote this, this letter to the Philippians, he knew that. He was in prison for preaching the gospel, for being a faithful Christian. He'd been imprisoned. He was undernourished. The chains around his wrists and his ankles wearing the skin away raw, beaten, dirty, no sanitation, awaiting execution. And yet Paul can still say, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. It's the same for us. Our lives can be full of wonderful things, great things, a beautiful city, loving families, stable work, tasty, healthy food, soaring music, spiritual growth and satisfaction. And yet there is so much tragedy and hardship, drought and smoke, your family breaks up or just tension at Christmas, redundancy, dissatisfaction, poor health, spiritual dryness, guilt. So when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, and in the Greek the word always means always, when he says rejoice in the word always, what can he mean? What is this joy? What is this joy that we want but that can seem so impossible? And how can we have it, especially as we await for Jesus' return? How can we rejoice in the present? Well, as we look at this passage in Philippians 4, I want to answer these two questions. What is it to rejoice in the Lord and how can we do it? What is it to rejoice and how can we do it? So first, what is rejoicing in the Lord? Well, I think there are four things that we can say about this rejoicing in the Lord. And the first is that it's actually an active expression of joy. An expression of life, happiness, peace, expressed in the way that we speak and live. Now I should be clear here that Paul isn't talking about a superficial cheeriness with kind of painted on fake smiles. And he doesn't mean that we should just kind of act happy when we're actually sad or angry or in pain or sick. Because Paul himself expresses anxiety, anger, sadness, agitation. But rejoicing in the Lord means always having underneath a positive, hopeful outlook, even in the midst of these negative emotions. A positive, hopeful outlook that's expressed in this expression of joy. And so this, I think this command to be joyful, sometimes we can think, oh, I have to be joyful. Oh, what a, another burden. But I, I don't think that's the right way of thinking about this as a command. Instead, I think it's an invitation for us, an encouragement, an invitation for us to take hold of. If you are in the Lord, then this positive, hopeful outlook is what you can have. The second thing about this rejoicing in the Lord is that it's more than just rejoicing in any old thing, but rejoicing in the Lord. Now, it doesn't just come about by positive thinking or being mindful. Um, a, a couple of the most popular apps on the App Store are Calm and Headspace. Uh, things like controlled breathing, meditation, mindfulness. These things are really popular at the moment. And, you know, a lot of those have a lo- great benefits, health benefits. And good for our psychology. But as good as they might be, this joy that Paul is talking about comes from the Lord and is focused on the Lord. And that's why it's not about just pretending you're happy when you're not. Because rejoicing in the Lord is about a deep knowledge of God's presence and God's goodness, even in the thick of life in the middle. A knowledge of God's presence and goodness. And that's why this joy is a gift of God. It's not just something that we can 
cult, uh, just kind of stir up in ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a product of the gospel. It comes out of a peace with God that we have through Jesus. And it comes out by the work of the Spirit in us who brings about this kind of joy. If you want joy and peace, this is where to find it, in the Lord. Third, this rejoicing in the Lord is accompanied by gentleness and peace with others. That's why in verse 5, Paul just drops in. He asks us to let our gentleness be known to everyone. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Remember we thought about over the last couple of weeks like impatient, anxious kids in the back of a car on a long trip or like nocturnal creatures devouring each other. Anxiety and worry breeds conflict and harshness. Instead, Instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, when we rejoice in the Lord, it's expressed in gentleness and peace with the people around us. And finally, rejoicing in the Lord is accompanied by an inner peace that's free of serious worry or anxiety. And that's why Paul tells the Philippians not to worry about anything. Not to worry about anything. And that's why he promises the peace of Christ, the calm, the tranquility of Christ that guards our hearts and minds. Contentment. Calm emotions, a quiet conscience that isn't accusing, a clear mind that doesn't stew on everything that could go wrong. And so think about this this beautiful picture of rejoicing in the Lord, a positive, hopeful outlook expressed with joy, given by God, peace with others, peace inside. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? On Friday night, I sat with an. I was having dinner with a family. I sat with an elderly lady in her in her eighties, and she was a model of rejoicing in the Lord. Her life hadn't been easy. She'd lost her husband fifteen years earlier, and she was very physically frail. But her whole demeanour was one of positive, hopeful joy and peace, because she knew that her God was good. And she completely entrusted herself to him. He was her source of joy. Someone asked me recently who it was that I admire most. I think I had a lot of trouble answering that because I think the people who I admire most tend to be people like that. And, And it's people like many of you here, people who have such an abiding trust in God and his goodness that they overflow with joy even when and especially when you're weighed down with the burdens of living in the middle of things. So how can we have this joy? How can we cultivate this joy in our lives? Well, I should first say that there are many barriers to to rejoicing. And I'm not pretending to give a simple fix, do these three things and your life will, will be completely transformed overnight. But Paul does give us three essential places to start and they might very well transform your life. And the first is that we can reflect on the nearness of the Lord. Right in the middle of this paragraph, at the end of verse 5, Paul drops in 
The Lord is near. Earlier I talked about this joy being rejoicing in the Lord, and I think a way of thinking about it here is rejoicing in the nearness of the Lord. Rejoicing in the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. And the nearness of the Lord gives us joy because it gives us hope. The fact that Jesus is coming back gives us hope for our heavenly home where we won't live in the tragically mixed middle anymore. When your eyes sting with the smoke, remember, the Lord is near. He will bring life from the ashes. When broken marriages make Christmas awkward and painful, remember, the Lord is near. He will bring perfect peace and companionship. When redundancy or disappointment discourages you, remember, the Lord is near. He will fill you with true self-worth and value and give you rest. When spiritual dryness and guilt tear at your soul, remember, the Lord is near. Your sin will be gone. Your love for God as strong as death. Rejoicing in the Lord begins with remembering that the Lord is near and that he's bringing real hope and joy. The second thing we can do to cultivate rejoicing in the Lord is simply to pray and present our requests to God. You know, this is the predictable application for every young preacher. Go home, read your Bible and pray more. But it's right here. If you want to rejoice in the Lord, a regular prayer life is an absolute non-negotiable. Now this passage in particular is really significant for me. It's, it's one of the passages in the Bible I've, I've memorized and I try and each day when I pray think about casting my anxieties on God and allowing his peace to, to not allow me to worry and so I invite you to do that too. Why don't you go home, have a go, especially verse 6, and embed that in your hearts as a reminder to pray and cast your anxieties onto God. And your prayers don't need to be articulate or overly pious. You know, look at what Paul says. He just says, let your requests be made known to God. Just ask him for stuff. Recently, uh, some, I was talking to someone and they said that they felt like they shouldn't pray for something because it felt like it was too trivial or selfish. Like we shouldn't pray for a parking spot or for a better job or a better marriage or for our, whether our children go well at university. Now, of course, I think there are better and worse things to ask God for, better things that are more in line with God's will for us than not. But look at what Paul says here. Do not worry about anything, but in everything let your requests be made known to God. We can come to God about anything and everything that burdens our hearts. You know, one powerful way of thinking about prayer, especially at Advent, is this. You know, every time you pray and ask God for relief, you're grasping hold of the future and pulling it into the present. 
When you pray for things to get better, you are longing for your heavenly home. And when you're asking God to give this to you now, you're asking for that future to come now into the present. When you ask for stronger relationships, for rest, for peace. It's a bit like a a cook tasting a delicious broth before serving it all out. You're having that foretaste. Oh, it tastes so good, but it's just a foretaste waiting for the time when the banquet will be served and we can enjoy it in its fullness. So when you're worried, when you're anxious, pray and present your requests to God. He wants to hear them. He loves you. He's your father and he wants to answer your prayers. But finally, we learn to rejoice in the Lord when we give thanks to God. Now, right now, showing uh, like kind of mindfulness, showing gratitude and thankfulness are a really big deal. Everyone's talking about the benefits of gratitude. It makes our relationships stronger, improves your health, reduces frustration, better sleep, higher self-esteem, stronger resilience. And all this is great. We're made to give thanks to our God, so when we do, things work better for us. But for us, you know, it's not just being grateful in general or grateful to the universe, but being grateful to our Lord Jesus. He's the one to whom all things are headed. He's the one through whom our Father gives us every good gift. So when we pray, we give thanks to God our Father and our returning Lord Jesus. And again, you know, it doesn't need to be articulate or overly pious. We can just spend time thinking about anything in life that's good, anything that's one of those delicious foretastes of the banquet that's awaiting us. A good friend, a clear sunny day, awareness of your forgiveness, a deepened sense of your adoption as God's child, anything and everything that you enjoy, you can give thanks to God for. And it can help cultivate that joy in the Lord in your life. And so if you don't pray regularly, then coming to God to ask him for stuff and to give thanks is a fantastic, easy way to start. When you wake up and the worries of the day start to flood your mind, stop and turn to God. Cast your worries, your anxieties onto him. Ask for relief. Ask for the peace of Christ to settle your hearts and minds. Ask for resolution, that God would do something about it. And then find one, two or three things that you can be thankful for today. It might only take you a couple of minutes to do, but if you don't already do this, and you start this kind of pattern, I can almost guarantee that the worries, the anxieties of life will be easier to manage. You can start to cultivate that rejoicing in the Lord that God promises us through his Son. And if you're a more regular prayer, why not take stock of your prayer time today? Are you spending time each day thinking about, reflecting on the Lord's return? To lay out all your concerns to God. Nothing's too small, too trivial for him. 
Time to give thanks for everything he's given you. Imagine if we were a church full of people who did this kind of thing every day. A church full of people who rejoiced in the Lord every day, even when things were really hard. Even in the midst of tragedy and hardship, when we're sad, guilty or angry. That expression of joy, regardless of our circumstances, that positive, hopeful outlook that flows out of love of God for us, that peace and gentleness with each other, that peace and calm that the gospel can affect on our hearts and minds. What a beautiful picture of joy that comes from the gospel. May God enrich us with the gift of his joy. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.